Welcome to Yoga for First Responders On Air, where we break down yoga, neuroscience, resilience, and public safety in a manner that's authentic, educational, and most importantly, entertaining and lighthearted. I'm YFFR's founder, Olivia Mead. As a yoga instructor and neuroscience enthusiast, I'm passionate about supporting first responders and anyone looking to improve their overall human performance. Each week, we'll dive into a new topic and often bring on expert guests to share their insights and experiences, but we'll also keep it real and share our own stories and struggles along the way. So whether you're a first responder or seeking to master the science of mental and physical resilience, this podcast is your ultimate guide to triumph over life's challenges with unbreakable strength and unwavering fortitude. By pressing play, your training has begun. Hi guys, it's Olivia. The next two episodes of On Air are really cool because we did them in conjunction with Captain Jeremy Sanders and his podcast, Crew First Culture. Jeremy's podcast has been around for a long time and has an impressive following and engagement with its audience. So naturally, as newcomers to the podcast scene, we wanted to jump on those coattails immediately. We decided with Jeremy to place our conversation on both of our platforms. We divided it up into two episodes, so the amount we packed in can be consumed in two digestible segments. The Crew First Culture brand and podcast helped the Firehouse family to grow and excel in their career and life. Jeremy and his partners on this mission are here to discuss their passion for leadership and firehouse culture and use their life experiences to lift each other up. The primary focus is leadership and training. And as you know, I too am passionate about both these things. So we really get into the nitty gritty. Jeremy is married and has seven kids. He and his family live on a small farm just outside of Tulsa. He has served for 20 years on a suburban career fire department in central Oklahoma, where he currently holds the rank of captain. So enjoy this first episode of our conversation with Jeremy Sanders on Crew First Culture, and keep an eye out for the second episode coming out next. As usual, we will challenge monotony and complacency and demand a new look at what it means and what it requires to be resilient. Just a, a brief kind of touching on how I was introduced to you both. I was luckily and blessed, whatever you want to call it, be a part of the uh, tactical resiliency team with our training with Rick George. And, and I've talked a lot about that on, on past episodes. So if you've yeah. listened to anything, you've definitely heard a lot of kind of how I feel about all that. But uh, Erica and, or I'm sorry. My wife's name is Erica, so I might have an issue. With this. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I'm secure <laughs> enough. It's all good. <laughs> Eric and Olivia's yoga for first responders is a big piece of that program that that we are a part of, and so I have met Eric in person a few times and had some great conversation, especially in Atlanta with him. Olivia was playing the the role of mother and had to stay home with her their young one. And so this is literally the first time I have actually 
met her at least virtually. So very excited to have you both on just the, the knowledge and, and expertise that you both carry is, is very incredible to me. I'm, I'm learning more and more about all of these things. And it's so important, the more I learn to share and spread the word of what you all are trying to do. So just kind of to get that out there. Yeah, let's get I, I guess just throw the grenade out and, and just say so yoga for first responders. What what is the the purpose of it? What is the story of it? And and what are you trying to accomplish with it? Yeah, so you said it perfectly with grenade. Let's throw the grenade out there. <laughs> We're yoga. Everyone's like, and so before you turn off the episode, everyone <laughs> you go to sexier things. Um, hear us out. So uh, most people, when they hear the word yoga, are immediately going to think of stretching, flexibility, uh, zenning out, relaxation, yoga pants, uh, weird positions, hippies, soccer moms. I've heard it all. And I totally get it because that's the marketing of yoga in the West is, um, and, and do you know why? And I don't blame them. It's because yoga is a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar business. And they're going to continue to market to the demographic that is going to shovel out $150 for yoga pants. So God bless them. But unfortunately, the populations that really need the authentic benefits of yoga, such as military first responders, will then become isolated from the practice because of the marketing, which is not toward them, right? And so that's why we get this bad rap with yoga. True, the true intention, the um, original intention of the yoga practice, which started 5,000 years ago, no joke, okay, was to train warriors. And it was to train warriors to be elite, to have mental mastery above their opponents, to be able to be calm and centered. And this tool, the, the body, the nervous system, the brain, those are all tools that, you know, that, that are so powerful that if we don't discipline and train them, that they will take over us, you know, they will master us. We'll be victims to our own mind. We'll be victims to our own body. And you guys probably already know what I'm talking about. Aches and pains in the body, the, the mental spirals, not being able to sleep stuck in a hypervigilant state. That's your tools owning you. And it makes you completely, um, uh, what would be the opposite of a, of a high performer, a low performer, or just, you know, just someone who is not, not in control of their own system. Right. So the original intention of yoga is mastery of the mind and optimal functioning of the entire system, all the systems that you have. And so yoga for first responders takes yoga back to that original intention, specifically to the cultures who need it. And they need it because in, uh, in your profession, your nervous system, your brain, your body takes a beating every day. Even if you don't actually have a call or a quote unquote tough call, when you go to work, you're on anything could happen. 
that is extremely stressful. In fact, it is more stressful than the call itself. Because when the call comes in, you know where you're going. I mean, you don't know what you might find, but you have an idea, you're, you're focused, you're in flow. But before that, when there's, you know, it's the unknown, that's the most stressful. So it's not like we're teaching this because of, it's not like critical incident stress management, where there was a critical incident, we're going to address this. It's not um, in case something really bad happens. No, this is a fundamental skill that someone should have just to enter this profession. Um, anyway, that is a long-winded way. As you can see, I'm like, I get fired up about yeah. this, you know, but yeah, so there, so I'm going to stop talking, but that's, that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, <clears throat> that, that's funny because I, I've, I've heard stories about you and, and that, that fire, <laughs> but uh, I've not seen it, but I definitely have seen the same from Eric. You know, Eric is the, the very, uh, unassuming person in that group of giants, you know, that, that we are training with, with Rick and, and his crew. But I would honestly say he's the scariest person in that group. And, <laughs> and most of the, most of the people in that, that class figured that out pretty quickly as well. Yeah. And so Eric, I mean, you, do you have anything to add on to that to, to kind of to, yeah. to bring home the point any, any more? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to, to the point of being the scariest person in the room, it was kind of funny before we started our last training in Atlanta, just listening to the students as they were coming in. And I walked into the room and one of the guys like, I could hear him like, oh shit, that's the yoga guy. Uh, so I heard it. And so I came in, I was like, what is that supposed to mean? And I'm the yoga guy. Like, well, I've seen the videos and that's going to be the hardest part of this whole class. And they're like, oh, uh, your secret's you know? out now. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, how'd you, uh, how'd you know I was the yoga guy? And they're like, well, of the beard so i was like yes the beard precedes me uh, <laughs> which uh i'll take so no olivia's absolutely right so and jeremy right too i do have a passion for this so i spent 13 years in the fire service with part of my peer support uh team on the department that i was on and quite honestly uh men and women we have got to be doing better from a mental health wellness standpoint uh for our brothers and sisters um and so I'm passionate about this because I want to start moving the conversation upstream from peer support, from clinical uh, clinicians to see if we can stop people from actually falling into the river of the downward spiral first, instead of having to put a net up at the bottom of the stream. Um, and so what we do is all backed by literature. It's all backed, uh, it's evidence-based and it's all proven to be a proactive training tool. And that's the key word is proactive training so that we can actually train our mind, body, and nervous system to work and respond the way we want it to versus what Olivia was talking about responding the way it's going to if we don't, if we don't train it. And so we've got a, I mean, it's a bold statement, but honestly, like I've got it up on our website that when suicides are outpacing line of duty deaths by three and 400%, we're not doing good enough. Like, yeah. let's, let's be blunt about it. Like, we don't, one of the things that makes us different is that we don't pull many punches. We used to, but we don't anymore. Uh, we just, the message is very clear. We have got to be doing better as a culture to be taking better care of ourselves and those around us. And I believe this is a critical tool, which is why I'm thankful to be here with you today. Yeah. And that, I think that's just a pretty, pretty good place to, I wouldn't say start because we're already started, but to to kind of continue the conversation as you talked about that preemptive mm -hmm. move, and you know you've talked about even throwing the the statement out that you you want to put the 
the critical incident stress teams and yeah. peer support teams out of business. And and I I truly know your heart behind that. That's not because you hate those things. Oh. It's because those things are in place because we haven't done our job beforehand. Right. And that's where you are wanting to plug yourselves into to prevent those things from happening. And I think that is is a great way to look at it, to to truly start helping us attack these problems before we even have to deal with them. And so that's a, that's a great a great way to say it really. And, yeah. and I know that's why I love, you know, talking to you both because that fire inside you, it's not just because that's the personality you have. It's because you, you're building it from a true passion mm. and, and you know that, how, you know, how important it is. So that being the case, how, how can you do a, or how can we do a better job of incorporating these type of things to shut some of these things down before they become problems? Yeah. And it's, this is, we've been talking about this specific topic. In fact, this was what we were hoping to be our topic of our current podcast. We're going to release is training. Uh, so <laughs> okay. once again, once again God, God in the universe provides. And so <laughs> just to touch briefly before I let Olivia respond on how we can make this part of training is you mentioned the part of that we want to put peer support and clinicians and critical incident teams out of business. And you said it eloquently that that's from a good place in our heart, not because we hate those people. Yeah. I'm not naive and dumb enough to actually think they will ever go out of business. Not we, really. have, yeah, we have a tough, we have a, yeah, we have a tough job. There's life is going to happen. Those resources will always be there, but it goes back to your point of we can do better before people even start to need those problems. And so how can we start to institutionalize training? I think is the crux of the, issue. And I think Olivia, you were chomping yeah. at the bit on that one. Well, <laughs> just asked was literally exactly, I was about to take over your podcast and to ask you a question. I'm a host now um, because <laughs> I was about to ask you the exact same thing that you just asked okay. me. Um, you two, you're, you're still on the job. Eric spent 13 years on the job. I am not in fire service. I went through a fire Academy in order to learn the job as much as I could. It was the hardest and most fun thing, you know, I've ever, I've ever done. And I did learn a lot and I continue to ask questions, but I'm not, I'm not inside. I, so we do the best we can to make it as easy as possible for people to access. Right. So, you know, I, I, I pride myself on never telling anyone, no, Okay, the the budget's not there. The time's not. Let me figure it out. Let me figure this out for you. We can do it. You know, I've taught yoga at 9 p.m. Uh, for five minutes at a roll call for a police department. I was teaching it, you know, all different hours for Eric's department, you know, trying to see what was going to make it work. We have our our digital platforms now. So if there's a, a, a an in-person teacher not available, they can go on the app, they can do courses. You know, we've tried to make it so, so accessible. And I also hear a lot of support. Yes, 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 yes. Yet when it comes down to it, um, money, line item, time, um, is someone just saying yes because they know they need to? Well, I, I, I don't know what the sticking point is. And, and I, what I wanted to ask you to, and, I, and we just released a blog on our podcast called Necessity Versus Demand. And this actually came from my yoga teacher who I study with um, via Zoom in India. 
I went to India, studied with him, and now I can study, you know, with him via Zoom. And he brought this up just in general in the yoga world is there's what we truly need to work on and and train in life and, and everything. And then there's the sexy stuff, you know, that we kind of default to instead. Uh, you know, our hose drills, you know, fun is going into the burn tower fun. Yes, that's why you're here. That's why you're doing the job. So of course, we kind of default to that. And of course, there's, you know, the what I call those is the short term, urgent tactical skill uh, skills that you need, right? But if you're at home on the couch on disability, or had to retire early, or whatever the case may be, you're not on the fire ground to do those short tactical yeah. urgent skills anyway. So I understand they're important for the job, but you're not, if you're at home, you're not doing them. Or if you're on the job and you're low functioning, low performance, then it's, you're not doing those tactical skills. Great. Anyway, it's this catch 22 and I'm stuck for we're offering on us, offering it on a silver platter. We have the evidence. In fact, I'll talk about a research study in a little bit that shows you we're not bullshitting anyone here. <laughs> yeah. What's the deal? What's the, what is the issue that, um, you know, people will nod yes. Oh, I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing, but won't tell their crew, get out here. We are doing yoga an hour, one hour or less 30 minutes yeah. every time we're on shift. What's the problem with that? Yeah. I, I just, I truly don't understand it. And so that's why I don't have an answer. What, what do you guys think? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you've touched on the article I wrote. I wrote an article a few years back uh, for Firefighter Nation. And the title of the article was, it was a clickbait title. I'll be fully honest, but it basically <laughs> said, uh, is training mental resilience more important than hose drills? Because I was making the argument in that case, of what has Olivia exactly said that if we're off the job, we're, the hose drills don't matter. Pulling a hose off yeah. the truck doesn't matter. Hooking a hydrant doesn't matter. If we're sitting at home because we haven't prepared ourselves mentally and emotionally for the job that we have to do, it doesn't matter. And so my argument is, and this is the argument that we make often, and I just, is that these kinds of trainings, this kind of skill set must be implemented from recruitment. So before they're even a firefighter yeah. in this case, through retirement. So from recruitment through retirement, because we see the same issues that number one are the young men and women getting into the job. They have no idea about what they're signing up for other than it looks cool. I want to fight fire, hanging out with the guys at the firehouse is awesome, but there's a whole other side of it that they're not prepared for and they're never yeah. getting the training for. And then we get through the career, hopefully, hopefully we can actually start to thrive through our career instead of just survive it and then get to the end of our retirement. And now we have a whole host of new problems that are, that are popping up that we've lost our singular sense of identity because for your entire life, you said, I am a firefighter. I mean, I haven't been riding the truck for five years at this point, and I still struggle with that, quite frankly. I mean, I do like, like deep yeah. down at my core. And I know there's a saying that once a firefighter, always a firefighter, kind of like the Marine Corps statement. But at the end of the day, I'm not putting on the turnouts. I'm not hopping on the rig. I'm not in the excitement of it. Right. And so I still yeah. struggle with that, even though I have a very important mission in life now serving public safety from the mental health wellness side. And so if you're not in that world, it's why we see our 
brothers and sisters literally working the job until they're 65 years old, retiring and dying a year later. Like they're not, they're not, because yeah. they don't have the tools to deal with retirement then. And so if we want to get to the point of organizational change, uh, personally, it starts with a fantastic leadership at the top. You have to have the top bought in. And then the second place it starts is down at the very, very bottom in the academy. Because if the top is bought in, then they're going to give the support they need to the academy instructors and the academy instructors then start to instill these kinds of tools into the recruits from day one. And then obviously, so that's the first two steps. And then the third step uh, to make this thing a go is whoever is that uh, in law enforcement world, it's the field training officer and the fire service world. It's whoever they're going to be with that first day out on shift, that company officer. Because if they get on the truck and the company officer says it, and we've all said it, okay, Academy's great, but now you're going to learn it for real, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And so if that company officer that they go to out of Academy says, everything you just learned in Academy is BS, especially that yoga breathing mental stuff, yeah. that young firefighter is so impressionable at that point, though, from that moment forward, they'll think, oh, this is bunk, I'm out. I don't need, I don't need that yeah. junk. And so those are the three steps to actually institutionalize this. And it sounds impossible. It sounds impossible. And yet where there's a will, there's absolutely a way. Yeah. Uh, because I, I, I hang my hat on this agency, this uh, organization, because we were talking a little bit about it. If the, one of our gold star uh, partners is Chicago Police Department, for example. Chicago. Hey, Eric here interrupting the show for a minute. Are you ready to train first responders to process stress, build resilience, and enhance their job performance? Then YFFR Instructor School is for you. This training provides you with the necessary skills to make an impact in your community and within your agency. Our protocol is evidence-based and has undergone multiple peer-reviewed studies, but that's not all. By signing up for our early notification list, you'll gain exclusive access to registration before anyone else. Don't miss out on this opportunity to be the first to know about future instructor schools. Join the ranks of fellow first responders and civilians who have already experienced the life-changing benefits of our program. Visit our website today at www.yogaforfirstresponders.org and then head to the instructor school page to be the first to know when registration opens. Sign up today. Our mission specifically, it goes back to that beginning dispelling the misconceptions of what yoga is, what it's about, how we do things differently. And then we start to implement that organizational change management from the top to the bottom, and then that middle management layer. So that's my yeah. thought. Uh, but when you're in the ground, like on the ground, boots on the ground, as a company officer, you hold a lot of power from those day-to-day -day trainings. You might not start to change at the very, very top and make an entire change in an organization, but on your crew specifically, day-to-day, -day, you can be that change agent. Um, yeah. You've had a little bit of experience with that since we met in Atlanta. And I'll also talk a little bit about uh, Captain Mikoski, Mark Mikoski, who's part yeah. of our training cadre too, because he's had really good success with his crew because he yeah. understands what we're doing. And he went back, he came through our train, the trainer program and took it back to his crew and started teaching his crew, not the entire department, his crew of yeah. three other guys, a yoga class on shift. And you know what? Those guys started asking for it. Hey, Cap, when are we going to do yoga today? Hey, Cap, we really liked the last shift. Can we do it again today? 
you know, mills in Kansas. Yeah. And again, I want to point out, this is not like when I, I started this at Los Angeles fire department. And when I moved to Iowa from Los Angeles, some people were saying, Oh, you, okay. You were good here in LA, but when you go to the Midwest, they're not going to, you know, take to this, a firefighters, a firefighter is a firefighter all over the country. And the needs are the same. And, you know, so we're talking about, you know, Mark's in Georgia. This guy, Eric Mills is in Kansas. Same thing. One of yeah, our department is Hender, Hender, small town, Henderson, Kentucky, for God's sake. Yeah, Henderson, Kentucky's killing it. So, <laughs> so the same thing is that Eric Mills was teaching his crew every shift and they started asking for it because of the consistency. So they were able to feel the benefits. So, yeah, I would, so Jeremy, I'd like to ask you, what, what are your thoughts and how, how do you think this could happen? I think I'll, I'll get into my thoughts here in a second, but I think probably one of the scariest things that, that Eric brought up is that, that first day on shift, you know, even, even if we put in all the work to get all these things in place, you're still going to have these people that are going to take a dump on it when the the new people get on shift. And I just, I hate that. And it's just, it's not confined to this. It's, it's, it's across the board on anything that they don't like. And so anyway, that, that was just like more of a soapbox moment that I, I just really get irritated with things like that. But as far as just me personally, so I, you know, like you said, I am a station officer. I enrolled in, in your program, as far as the, uh, what, what would you, what do you call the, basically just the it's subscription. Our, yeah. It's What's our, that? It's our, online. It's, our, it's, a, no, yeah. it's called the official name is on demand. On demand. Yeah. The gotcha. You can use it on demand. So, so we, we as a crew have done, we've done one of the, or gone through a couple of your programs every shift and just using that as a way to kind of introduce us all to it. And, and it started out, I just asked kind of Eric, what would be a good, basically a first day to, to run everybody through. And, and so, you know, we went through the, the breathing video to, to get everybody used to what you're trying to, to uh, pass on as far as that goes. And then the importance of that, and then into the, the daily program, just a 20, you know, 20 minute program. That's, that's what we did the first day, maybe you could first couple of days just to, to work our way into it. But I, I do feel like it is so important and I do, I do wonder how to make the big move, you know, but that's the way with, every, that's, that's the problem with me in my mind. I always have to gear myself back and do what Mark did and just focus on my crew. Cause at the end of the day, that's all I can control. So I can control that my crew does yoga or practices breathing or has a good discussion about mindfulness or segment on, you know, segmenting or any of these things, I can control that. And so that is, that has been a priority absolutely since, you know, however long it's been since we've been in Atlanta, because it, it really was a game changer in my life, I would say for sure. But especially in my journey as a, a firefighter and a station officer to see how truly important it is to, I'm trying to look at what you call it, the mastery of the mind, like Olivia said at first, because, uh, you know, I, 
I'm, I can't go into any details just because it's not my experience, but I've had a very close family member here lately experience some, some mental issues. And it is crazy what the freaking mind can do to you. It is absolutely, it, it just, it's, it's nuts. And so to, to be able to control those systems and, and, and use your mind to its full potential and, and overcome the things that we face, it's, it's critical, you know, and, and you talked about it, I think Olivia first is it's not even the big calls or the bad calls or the, the nasty calls. You know, I just literally talked about this last night at the volunteer department that I, uh, in the town I live in, it, it could be the, the 3000th normal, regular BS call that you ran on, but there's just something about it that hits a trigger in you. It, it could be a smell. It could be a voice. It could be a, a, a sight that you see. It, it, you know, it's a, it could be anything. So you never know truly what is coming and when it's coming. And especially if you're not preparing yourself. So I, I, I really, I really do think that, like you said, Eric, I, I, and anybody else can only control our little circle. If, if you are not a decision maker for an entire department or shift, you might only have a station or you might only have you and another new person, whatever it is, whatever your circle is, that's, that's the, the influence you have. And so maybe it's just one more person, but you can push that influence out and, and show people how important this stuff is. We, we had a, before Atlanta, before the trip to Atlanta, we had a, a pretty decent multiple family uh, dwelling fire. And I, I, I'm not a big you know war storyteller, but the, the story behind the story is that on the way to that, uh, radio traffic came out that there's possibly victims trapped. And I've got two firefighters in the back that just barely have a year on. And I could tell that both of them were getting amped up. And I didn't have the opportunity in that time because we were we were really close to the scene to address it. But afterwards, this is what we talked about. We talked about taking just maybe even a cycle or two of of some type of breathing techniques to calm yourself down. Because we train for these things, you know what you're doing, but they were actually talking themselves into doing things differently than we've always trained just because of that excitement. Because of the and power so of the mind. just talking. Yeah. And, and that's where it starts is just having that communication and, and doing what you can to influence those you can influence. That's that's my answer. You know, Jeremy, I, I had goosebumps to hearing you talk because you are... <laughs> I mean, I wish you were a firefighter in my town because I would want, you know, I, I want firefighters like you. And I think everyone should want their community public safety to have the mindset that you have. I mean, your crew is incredibly fortunate to have you. Um, one thing I want to say ab about leading and, you know, you're a leader, so you can, you know, have your crew guide your crew. I think if anyone's watching you, you are a leader. So oh, if yeah. you have any, you know, rank or pull and, but someone sees you in the Bay doing your yoga, that's influence. So you're influencing yourself and then whoever's watching you, right? Number one, number two, 
to what you said with that call, I did a ride along with FDNY. I have some good friends, you know, good friends there that I would visit. And while I was visiting them and having dinner with them, a call came in and they asked me if I wanted to, to jump on. Now, what's funny about New York City, you probably think it's all, you know, really like, go, 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 go. There's so much traffic that mm. <laughs> we're not going very quickly. Yeah. Now. Anyway, so it was um, it was a fire. I think it was in the subway or something. So there was a little bit of amping up. And as they were, you know, putting on their packs and stuff in the truck, one guy said to me, I've been on for a few years, but I still can't, I still get amped up no matter what. So I said, okay, keep putting everything on. Is it okay if I, you know, just put my hands on you for a second? And he said, yeah. So I put my hands, you know, where the strap is here. I put my hand here and I said, breathe in as you tighten the strap, breathe into it, breathe into my hand. You keep getting ready, but you just keep breathing into my hands. Right? So the point is, is exactly what you said, as you are gearing up and getting ready, you can simultaneously doing breath work that keeps you in control up here. It does not. Now, let me make it clear. Mindfulness does not equal slow at all. Yeah. So people think of mindfulness, they think of, oh, be, no, mindfulness means that there is an awareness of, of what you are doing. There's an intention. There's an action towards that intention. And there's an awareness of what you're doing. It creates a not time connected space between stimulus and response. The only way you'll remember to do breath work and you will perform that action mindfully under stress is if you train for it, it will never happen automatically if you don't put the training in. So if someone says, all right, guys, you know, we were really kind of spiraling on that call and we, I got to have you, I got, you got to make sure to be mindful next time. You got to make sure to be intentional. And they're all going to be like, yep, yep. Yes, sir. Got it. Got it. Got it. Won't happen unless yeah. you train for it. And that's what yoga is. That's it's the training for that stuff that there is no training for you're told have the warrior mindset, be more mindful. Be more, Okay, great. Great. Got it. Got it. What does it, that mean? <laughs> that means, you know, when I, I did police academy and I, there was um, in our defensive tactics class, they showed these videos of a call going good, a call going not good. What's the difference, guys? Well, that officer had warrior mindset and that officer didn't. All right, have a good day. And I was like, when's the warrior mindset class? When do I keep going that? That's the issue. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the, actually you hit on something really, really critical. And it goes back to how do we implement this into training? since the need versus the the necessity versus the want. So we need air pack training. One of the skill day one in academy, you're putting on maybe day two, but you're putting on bunker gear in your your pack. I mean, that's the very basic skill, just literally putting on pack. And so if they say, we don't have time for yoga class, we can't implement this. And this is a conversation I was having with some of our cadre as well from uh, the TRT group is okay fine then we implement these skills into our tactical training so for putting air packs on you can coordinate breath work with movement that is actually in the end of the day what yoga is uh, a little bit deeper than that but so if we go up to reach up our straps and tighten them we can inhale reach the straps exhale tighten inhale pull the belly or the waist strap exhale tighten and so you can find moments where there's very critical movements that you can tie yeah. breath work into it and be and you can even say to yourself 
I am calm, I'm in control. As you do those two movements, I am calm, grab the strap, exhale, I'm in control. And now you don't have to find time for a yoga class because you as the training instructor can be like, hey, this is a technique that I picked up from these guys or from whoever it is. It's how the fire service works. It's the pass it, all, pass it along thing. And all of a sudden the entire crew is doing breath work and mindset training as they're putting their packs on. And you've never taught, never taught a quote unquote yoga class and never had to find yeah. time for a yoga class. Doing the skills yeah. themselves could be yoga right? Actually fighting the fire could be yoga. Um, you know, helping a patient could be yoga. If you're implementing the intention and the mindfulness behind it. So that is yoga. Yoga isn't down dogs and warrior two yoga is life. And it's how you life is the yoga practice. So we've touched on it a couple of times and it's a critical thing to draw out, um, just to tease the thread a little bit is that, Research shows, this is actually, I pulled this from a clinician from a video from IAFF peer support, is that the clinician, the research shows that our body, mind, and nervous system actually does a pretty good job of putting itself together after the big, bad, ugly call. But yet those are the ones that get the spotlight and the attention. Yeah. Where the body, mind, and nervous system is terrible at the cumulative stress load of one, three, five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years on the job. It's that constant drip. I mean, it's that slow eroding of the body, mind, and nervous system that we don't even, aren't even aware of until the Grand Canyon is formed. I mean, that started with that little trickle of water flowing over the top of the earth. And now it's a mile deep Canyon. Um, Olivia had a uh, captain at the time, who's now a chief of a, a police department, tell her it's literally like having somebody tap on your arm. For the first hour, it might be annoying as hell. <laughs> After 30 years, if somebody just keeps tapping on your arm, there's a good chance your arm's going to be literally falling off because it's just that constant tap. And that's what a career in the fire service, law enforcement, public safety is like. It's just that 30-year tap. And all of a sudden, your arm's falling off. You're like, I don't know why my arm's falling off. You know? <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, and so that's where the proactive training comes in. We have to start training for that cumulative stress load, uh, of the career. And you can put it in those small tactical trainings, putting the pack on how you grab hose off the truck, inhale, grab the hose, exhale, start to walk. You can put, you can find it in those small moments. If you look for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I I think another piece of this to, if we're kind of continuing the conversation of how how to implement these things into training and, and into daily life is just, just seeing the, the effects in person. Like with, with the class we're involved in, they have heart rate, heart rate monitors. So you can literally in real time, watch the, watch the heart rates jump and fall and all that. And to, to sit there and, and have them exercise in, in whatever way for, uh, an amount of time and get to where they're 170s, 180s, 190s, and literally just stop, have them circle up and and take a couple cycles of, of whatever breathing technique they want, and then check it again. And it's dropped by 20, 30, 40 beats a minute that it it's truly impressive to see it in person. You know, it's one thing to, you know, to hear somebody talk about these things and okay, I, I get it. I understand but to see it in person and just to see the, just to see the, the, their face change and, and their body language change. 
you can just see kind of some stress and some exhaustion melt away from them. And so that I think is another big piece. You just, if, if you can work in the realization of, of what this is truly doing to our physical bodies, it's, it's not just talk. It's, it's really things that I think both of you have kind of mentioned. There, there's lots of data out there now, which is a great thing for you for you and your program to, to really go behind, to, to back you up. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I like to tell people that it's quote unquote cutting edge neuroscience that we're t- playing with right now, but all that's happened is that our neuroscience technology has gotten advanced enough to be able to show us what the body has been doing for thousands of years. And the body with East, what Eastern science has known for thousands yeah. of years. Right. And so that, and yeah. so the, so Western science, like neuroscience and neurobiology, those the folks that study that stuff really do say that there are ancient wisdom sciences and the ones that they typically point to are yoga, mindfulness, and meditation um, as the three ancient wisdom sciences that they're now proving with modern day cutting edge neuroscience. And so it's really fun to be here now uh, at the tip of the spear from the science side of things. That's what drives both Olivia and myself. And it's a passion of ours. And that's when I say everything we do is evidence-based and found in the literature. So we're not, we're pulling from that traditional yoga practice, but we're backing it up with literally stacks and stacks and stacks of textbooks at this point that show the data behind how it works, why it works. And so I love having these conversations with people and starting to pull this stuff out and like, yeah, yoga is still not for my guys. And I'm like, well, I've controlled what I can control at this point. And I've given you every resource in the world you would need to justify this. And if you're still just closed-minded enough that you're like, because of that four-letter word, it's yeah. not for my crew, fine, that's on you. I've controlled what I can control at that point. Uh, and I would love, I mean, there's a whole nother episode just diving into the science behind it. But uh, I, I think Olivia mentioned earlier our specific research study. And so this is a really cool piece of what we've done. That's what I was going to give a little preview of. Now we have one that's published um, on our online course, um, but one that we did of in-person training of a 16 class program. It's not published yet, so I don't want to give too many details until it's published, but I'll tell you this, which is really cool. We had a control group and we had the intervention group, the ones that got yoga. Um, About 30% of them of, and this was over five different departments, uh, were experiencing kind of true post-traumatic, post-traumatic stress symptoms. And that's a tough pill to swallow because they're out and working still. So it's only getting yeah. worse for them. But anyway, so the symptoms, let's say we're about here. Okay. And I'm pointing kind of high with my two fingers for people who are listening to this, like it <laughs> starts, right? Okay. The control group that didn't get the yoga after the four months or so, their symptomology stayed about the same. The group that got yoga had a huge drop and the, and the, the chart when it is published and you see this chart, it's an incredible, huge drop down in their symptomology of post-traumatic stress. Then no yoga for a while. Right. And guess what happened? The symptomology started to creep back up. So this shows that it's not a magic pill. It's a way of life. It is consistency over and over again, but it also also shows that this, this is working 
and you cannot deny it. And so if you don't find time for it, that's on you and the health and safety of your crew is on you. The other thing I want to say about Eric called yoga four letter word. And a lot of people have suggested to me, why don't you just take the word yoga out of it? Then people will be, and what am I supposed to call it? Like tactical movement with breath. (laughs) You know, here's the thing is we don't, I, I don't put a lot. I don't, we don't use Sanskrit. We change things to be more culturally informed. We've done a lot of work on that. The reason I won't take the word yoga away is guys, this is yoga. Okay. I want to re-educate on that. I don't want to trivialize it. I don't want to, um, you know, even, um, betray it. It's yoga, but this is what it is. And so I've, I've kind of felt in my heart that, um, we just need to re-educate on that word, which I know is swimming upstream, but I don't want to call it something. It's not, this is yoga. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, online uh, course, the published study, the other studies she mentioned too, is worth mentioning because you said you're doing online yoga with your crew, which yeah, uh, the original study was actually supposed to be in person as well, but kind of COVID was a terrible oh, yeah. disaster, but at the same time, there were a lot of silver linings that came out of it too. And so this study ended up being pushed into an online study, like everything did at the height of COVID. And so now we actually have a six-week program that's built for solely for online use, about an hour a week spread over three or four days. And even that, the the goal of that study was to show if online resilience training is effective. Well, number one, the answer came back a resounding yes. Like it is, there is effectiveness behind it. But then there were some small other questions because we asked surveys of the people that were going through this class and two findings, the sample size wasn't big enough because it was a pilot study to be, to hold true weight in the research world, but it at least gives us an indication that there is something there, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so what those two sub questions were, was uh, the findings were, is that number one, the people, a hundred percent of the people that completed the six week program online Saw, had a statistically significant reduction in self-reported post-traumatic stress symptomology from an online program. So it doesn't even have to be in person. So that's huge, number one. And then number two, when we start to talk about moving upstream and putting peer support and mental health clinicians out of business is that the 100% of the people that finished also had a statistically significant change in their perception of stress. So that's a critical finding. And that starts to get a little bit into the, what does that mean kind of world? Um, but our body has basically two stress responses. I mean, there's only so many buttons and levers our body can push and during a stressful moment. And so what they have found out is that if we push our body or train our body to go into a challenge response, uh, we actually can push the needle towards post-traumatic growth. But if our body defaults, which is the default mode network, uh, into a threat response, because that's the survival mechanism that we've been blessed with uh, for millions of years, is that the uh, stress response for threat leads to post-traumatic stress. So we need to change our perception of what stress is from threat to challenge. And so that's why you heard over and over and over again in these classes, I would ask people to out loud, is this a challenge or a threat? And have them respond back under stress that it's a challenge because we're working to change the neural pathways. So our body starts to see that stress, the inevitable stress that's going to happen tomorrow, but we're training for it today as a challenge 
to their mind, body, and nervous system rather than a threat to their life because the body only has those two options and we can start to train it on which way it goes. And that's a key when we start to talk about proactive training. Stay tuned for the second half of our conversation with Jeremy Sanders on the next episode of Yoga for First Responders on air. Hey, before we go, I want to remind you that training your mental and physical health is incredibly important, especially for those working in high-stress jobs like first responders. And if you're interested in learning more about Yoga for First Responders, visit yogaforfirstresponders.org for our on-demand training app, online course platform, in-person training, and more. Like this podcast, subscribe, and give us a great review. We are so happy to have you part of the YFFR mission.